1: He said, as far as he knew, I hadn't worked myself. I I, said, I guess it all depends on who you talk to, amen? <laughs> amen. I'm telling you, I'm thankful. I'm tell, I'm thankful. He's, he's been good days, amen? Been good days. And i will be honest with you. A lot of y'all don't know this. I spent several years in uh, the professional Southern gospel music realm, and and uh, you know they teach you methods and ways, and you know how to move crowds and all that kind of stuff. And and I have come to realize if you try to do it God's way, it pretty much goes against everything they ever taught me when I was on the road. Amen. But uh, but I'll be honest with this on my heart this morning. So I—I I I thought about I thought about you know it's kind of like a, a, was it. A, Brother, uh, brother, Lord, and his family—the kids—was up here singing, and and I told his wife I was watching them sing. Reminded me of those days when my girls were home and and we travel all over the country. Listen, if you was having a bad service, all you had to do is pull your kids up to sing. Everybody'd smile. Amen. I might be guilty of doing that a time or two. Amen. Just to try to relieve the tension in the room. Amen. But anyhow, I, I, it was a blessing. I was watching them girls sing. And I was amen. looking at their little sparkly shoes, and I thought, Lord. Of mercy that brings back memories, Amen. I'll be honest with you, that's, and I'll be honest with you. It puts it puts memories in their mind they'll never forget, Amen. And uh, somebody told me one time they said you talk to the kids more than you do the adults. I said yeah, because them adults fixing to die soon, them kids gonna be the ones pastoring churches. It's gonna book me, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was awful, wasn't it? <laughs>
0: it's
1: the truth, though. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I'm gonna sing this. <clears throat> And uh, I don't know where you are this morning. I and I and I want to say to all these missionaries and and, uh, and and families, I appreciate you. God's used you to encourage my heart this week. And uh, but the fact of the matter is this: whenever you do God's work, there's going to always be difficulty. Uh, there, I found, I used to think that if you just got saved and would serve God, everything would be perfect. That ain't the way it is. Uh, Bible said, "It rains on just and the unjust." And we all have things. Right now, if you went to every one of these missionary families, these pastors that are sitting here, if you went to every one of them, every one of them could tell you things in their life that they're battling, that they're struggling, pain, difficulties, things that's gone wrong, things they're trying to fix, things they need God to fix. That's life. That's just life. But we don't let that sway us. We keep doing what God's called us to do. Amen. And we, and, and we do what the Bible says, be steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You listen to this. Uh, I, 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 don't, I think I may have sung this when I was here at the church before, and uh, but really it's been on my heart this morning again. The Bible said this. Psalm 119, 71 said, It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn thy statutes. Can I tell you something? And I've not got time to go through my whole testimony, but there's a part of God that I know greater now than I did but it all come because of hardship right. <laughs> yes, sir. and can I say something I can set before you today and be before you today for the say, path he chose for uh, me amen you I- listen I listen to me. The, song. the night is dark and my way is hard
2: to see there's a storm of fear that's raging deep inside of me i don't understand why he's brought me to this place i'll keep standing on his promise and resting in his grace
3: heart is very hard to sing with an honest heart. Uh, if you're not walking with God and God's not working in a spiritual way in your life you may sing the words of that song but it may not be true. It's good for me that I've been afflicted. Amen. And we don't always look at our trials that way but that's, that's the way God does. Amen. God you think about you think about this. and We've seen this in our church here recently with uh, what's been going with Brother Kyle. I was reading uh, and I, and I may, and may read some of it on Sunday. Um, but I was reading uh, a message that he sent put on Facebook and uh, just given in a brief form uh, Silas's testimony, his son that's been going through everything he's been going through and uh, he made the statement, he said uh, something to the effect of uh, I, 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 don't, I don't, as a dad I don't like to see my son go through what he's going through and through the pain and all of that uh, but to the effect of of That it's worth it if God gets the glory, you know God's a, g- a good, good Father, Amen. And by the way, I'm not talking about the contemporary song, Amen. Uh, I hate how they take good, the good truths and turn it into a liberal uh, song, Amen. Uh, but, but He is a wonderful Father, Amen. Uh, he is our Heavenly Father, and uh, you know if if my son had to go through something, I would at least want there to be something better for him on the other side, Amen. And and uh, he is such such a good father that he will never allow you to go through anything that he is not going to uh, work together for good. Amen. And uh, God doesn't want you to be in pain. He doesn't want you to go through affliction just to go through affliction. No, he's working something in us. Amen. And that's why if we see things the way God sees things, it is good, preacher, that we've been afflicted. Amen. And uh, I, I know I know his, I know some of his testimony. And if there is a man in this room that knows something about affliction, Brother Piercy's one of them. Amen. And I appreciate the Lord. Birthing out of affliction, birthing a gift, a talent that God uses and uh, no doubt brought him closer to the Lord through all of that. Amen. So, uh, the, the, the uh, first place, first place coloring page was actually a picture of Brother Terrell Rose. And uh, I appreciate Brother Terrell. And he told me when I first showed him this that he loved his silhouette. Wet. And preacher, I didn't realize this, but you look really, really good in green and blue. And uh, so this one goes to Miss Riley, and uh, she colored Brother Terrell. Everybody see a good picture of Brother Terrell? Amen. And she gave him the superhero name, the Brazil Boss. And so that's who he is, amen? amen. The Brazil Boss. So Miss Riley, you come, and uh, we have a $5 Chick-fil-A amen. gift card for you. And uh, first place on these, and I, the Brazil Boss. Balls, Amen. I'll give you your coloring page back. Let you do with it whatever you want to do. But congratulations. Here's the second place one and This is a picture of Brother Jonathan Williams, and uh, I love. Miss, Miss Riley took a, a play off of his mission field and uh, I don't know what this is a play off of other than it's just really really pretty and I love the name and it is Miss Paisley Lord that did this and uh, it is a picture of Brother Jonathan Williams and Brother Jonathan where are you? You are Glitter Man. <laughs>
4: Isn't
3: that a blessing? Glitter Man. <laughs> Glitter Man. I love it. Uh, amen. Orange shirt, all everything Cape, shirt, pants—all of it glitter. And uh, man, I did not know that glitter could look so good on a big, grown man. Uh, But I praise the Lord for it. Amen. All right, so Miss Paisley, would you come? Uh, We have a five-dollar gift card for you. And appreciate you, uh, color and glitter man, for us. Thank you so much for being here to this week, Amen. All right, in our third place, it is a picture of Miss Kathy uh, Miss Sanny uh, that was here with us last night with the, with the uh, Tabernacle Children's Home and uh, Brother Rose. Again, I believe this is so appropriate for her, and uh, did a very good very good job on the costume. That that's TV worthy there, Amen. And uh, but this is for Miss Kenley Lord, and she said, and I think this is so. Appropriate Miss uh, Miss Sani is Super Mom, and uh, she definitely is that. Amen. You're taking care of 25 kids. You're you're Super Mom. Amen. And so, Miss Kinley, will you come and uh, let us give you a gift card for color and supermom? Isn't that a beautiful costume? I think that's wonderful, amen. And uh, they, they should make Super Mom her own TV series, amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry, she came around. I was waiting on somebody over there. Thank you so much, Kenley. God bless you, sweetheart. <clears throat> Alright, now, finally, and I know they're going to love, love this. The last one we have, the fourth place, is uh, a picture of Brother Tim and Miss Cass- Miss Cassie Lord, and uh, I love y'all's costumes and y'all's names, and uh, this was colored for us by Miss Marie, and so we thank God for Miss Marie and her coloring page. But Miss Cassie, you are super C, and I like Brother Tim, you're arm strong. Uh-oh. and uh, ain't that good, Amen, and uh, very very handsome couple there, and so Miss Marie, you come. We have a $5 gift card for you. And uh, I don't know if they have Chick-fil-A's in Panama, but you might need to make sure they use these before they leave. God bless you. Thank $10 gift card. And again, uh, I mentioned this. You don't have to by any means, but if you'd like to get the Bible, you're welcome to do that. Uh, but uh, please don't let me steal your opportunity out of chicken uh, gift card as well. Uh, but that is for our uh, our uh, signatures. Uh, one of the things that I told our uh, young People, uh, when we first had the first nine of Bible school, was we had printed off these cards, uh, and uh, whoever had uh, the most was going to get a prize. I encouraged them to get all of our missionary superheroes that were with us throughout the week to sign the back of the card. And uh, there are there are two young ladies that um, haven't even been with us all week um, in the in the the. Uh, Bible School, but they took this very Very seriously, and uh, uh, they are uh, they are uh, Miss Paisley and Miss Kenley Lord. And I don't, Brother Tim. I don't. Did y'all ever get them to sit down and eat last night? I don't even know if I saw them eating last night. Uh, All I saw them do the last several nights is get signature after signature after signature, and uh, ask, "Are you a missionary? Are you a missionary?" And they took this so serious. So I have uh, I have some gifts for you. Let you choose whatever you want. And again, if you want the ten dollar gift card, please Please take it. And so let's have these Lord girls come and uh, get their gifts, get their prizes this morning. From either side of the room. Okay. You want this or the Bible? Okay, all right. Good choice. All right, do you want this or the Bible? Okay, sweet. All right, there you go, darling. God bless you. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. All right, let's give these young people a hand this morning. Okay. They've been learning how to do by being saved and by surrendering to serve the Lord and let, uh, giving the Gospel to a lost and dying world which is the power of God unto salvation through the power that the Holy Ghost said He would give for us to be His witnesses. Uh, they have tapped into the Christian secret superpower and that is the Holy Ghost of God using the Gospel to make, for, make an eternity of a change in. Some Somebody's life. So uh, those that were with us in Bible school, you didn't know this probably, but you get to graduate from your superhero Bible school this week, and you are missionary superheroes in your own right. And so, if you were a part of our uh, our Bible school this week, I want you to stand up. And I want all of you kids that were with us. If you sat in to our classes and were a part of it, you stand up. You come this morning, and we have a presentation for you. And we're going we're going to we're going to make you. Uh, suited up right for graduating as a superhero. Don't be shy, y'all. Come on this morning. Amen? Right. That's fine. What we have for all of our superheroes is first of all, y'all get in the line okay? First of all, we have certificates that are 100% certified that they are missionary superheroes uh, for attending each class this week on how to be a superhero in their own right. For Brother Stacy Piercy being with us here, and uh, of course you know he's a full-time evangelist uh, serving the Lord in that capacity, um, but also works uh, in mission work with hands across the nation. And so I'm going to give him a few, I'm going to give you a few minutes, preacher. You could take about ten minutes or so and tell us about what the Lord uh, is
1: using you to do uh, across the country. Amen. All right. Again, it's good to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to be here these days and and to get to uh, meet uh, new people that are doing the work of God. Amen. And I was sitting and I was going through, and I think I've got them all written down: uh, uh, the Normans, and I hope I'm saying this right. The Kirsch family, the Lord family, the Williams family, the Woods, and then last night the cup of the family that just dropped in: the Herndons, the Roses, and then the Tabernacle Children's Home. Uh, man, I, it's it's been a blessing. It's been an encouragement to my heart. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I want to make a statement here. I, I, had, I was very blessed to have a, a pastor that had some wisdom. And he told me years ago, he said, uh, anybody that's doing the work of God has got something to offer you. Sure. And uh, he said, the problem is, is this, most of us never take the time to slow down and listen to what they've got to say. And, uh, and I'm thankful that I had a pastor that taught me that. And man, uh, the preaching, Brother Rose, this week has been tremendous. God has uh, challenged my heart, and I'm just thankful. Uh, I do travel in full-time evangelism. I've been traveling and preaching for, uh, oh, 30 years now. And uh, I've pastored in the midst of that, still traveled and preached. Uh, the churches I pastored were, ch- were churches that had been through difficult times, hardships, almost brought the churches to a place of closing, and God allowed us to go spend time with them, get them back on their feet. That was my burden. I never did have a long-term pastorate in mind, and was honest and upfront with churches. I wanted to help them get back to the place where they could operate and do what God called them to do. Amen. And so anyhow, so the majority of our ministry has been on the road in full-time evangelism. We were talking earlier, uh, started traveling, me, my wife, our children. We did that for years. Then the girl Started growing up, getting married. Then the first one got married, the second one got married, and and uh, and then Emma Grace is fixing to get married in uh, November, the 13th. If the Lord doesn't come back, I told him the other day. I said, I "Hope Jesus comes back on the 12th." Amen. <laughs> anyhow, and uh, anyhow, somebody said, "Well, you'll done spend all that money. It won't matter." Amen. I just won't have to walk her down the aisle. Amen. And uh, but anyhow, no, I'm really excited. The Lord has uh, sent her as an answer to prayer. A uh, 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 young man loves the Lord. He's a young Preacher got a call of God on his life, got a burden to be a pastor, and uh, and I, that that makes me a little nervous, amen. And uh, because I know what pastors and pastors wives go through, amen. And uh, but I'd rather see them in the will of God in a difficult place uh, than out of the will of God in an easy place, amen. So anyhow, so please uh, please do pray for them, amen. That the Lord touch them, help them. Uh, 2017, uh, I, I, I quit pastoring the church that I was. I'd help them uh, to get their feet established and 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 doing what God had called him to do, went back on the road in a full-time evangelism schedule. And uh, later that year, I was in South Dakota preaching a revival for a missionary church planner. And anyhow, that week there, God burdened and broke my heart for uh, for missionary church planners for ministries. I, I've always, I felt like I've always had, I've been a part of, always been a part since I surrendered to full-time ministry, uh, a missions-minded church, and felt like I had a pretty uh, solid grip on the mind mindset of the mission work, missionary, whether here on the home soil or the foreign soil. But I come to realize that week that I did not. God birthed some things in my heart. I was there preaching revival for them, and God was working in my heart every day. Long story short, God burdened in my heart to start a part of our ministry called Hands Across the Nation. And what we do, and I'll say this, I just have to grab things when they pass. I told somebody, I've got ADD, and I'm unmedicated, amen? So when it comes by, I grab it, amen? My wife, the other day, she said, she said, Stacey you were talking and you did that right there and I, I didn't realize I'd done it she said what was that about I said I had something come by and I grabbed it amen and if I hold it there I'll remember what I've got amen but if I ever let my hand go it, it's gone again but anyhow our CDs and stuff are in the back uh, all of our CDs uh, all of that money goes to our hands across the nation work what hands across the nation is is this Galatians 6:10 said this as we therefore have opportunity let us do good unto all men especially unto them who are of the household of God burdened my heart about being a help and an encouragement and and more than just a verbal, but action, doing something, putting feet to that. Be a help to missionaries and ministries that are operating here in the United States of America. Most of you know this. Missionaries, uh, church planters, it's difficult. It's a difficult place to do it, uh, especially in the western part of our country. And so anyhow, God's burdened my heart. And what we do is we gather supplies. We take food to them. Uh, we take church furniture, and, and I, I've nearly not got time to tell you everything the Lord has allowed us to do uh, in this year alone. And we're only about halfway through this year alone. Uh, we've taken church furniture to new church plants. We've uh, we've put food on missionaries' tables. We've filled cat we filled their pantries up. We uh, we help ministries in the church. We uh, the Lord opened doors. We were able to buy a, a pastor and his wife. Uh, I, I got word found out that they had been uh, sleeping on a mattress. That they had been sleeping on for 18 years and it was falling apart. Uh God opened the door. We went and bought them a brand new mattress and put on their bed. You say, Preacher, what is the purpose for that? The purpose is is this. I want to equip them and help them to keep doing what God has called them to do. Uh, now, I'll be honest with you, it, it was just my mindset at the beginning was just to be able to help missionaries and ministries here in the United States. I say this, I believe this. I'm a part of a, a fundamental Bible-believing church that supports missions all around the world. Amen. I give on a weekly basis to our Faith Promise Mission program. I believe in that. But I believe this as well. If we lose our footing on the home soil, we're never going to be effective on the foreign field. Amen. And we've heard from these foreign missionaries this week. They, if there's anybody that needs consistent support, it's somebody that's in an entire another country that can't just come back and run to two or three churches and try to raise a support level. Amen. And so anyhow, so even the Lord with that, uh, my mindset was just to help missionaries and ministries. We've helped boys' homes. We've helped girls' homes. Uh, the Lord has opened a door. We've had a ministry to, retire, uh, to retired uh, preachers that can't travel and can't pastor and can't keep up a schedule. Uh, we've helped widowed pastors' wives. We've helped widowed uh, men that have lost their wives, that have uh, that are living their lives by themselves, going through struggles. And God has opened so many doors for us to be able to help and encourage these missionaries. How it all started my mindset years ago when I was pastoring uh, in Kentucky, actually where I became familiar with Brother William's grandfather, and his father, uh, while I was pastoring a church there, that we supported both of them, and uh, that we had a, a missions conference, and, and our missions program was needing some help, and I had a missionary come in, and as he was coming in, uh, two months before, I told our church, I said, I want to be an extra blessing, we're going to take care of him, we're going to take care of it. And Brother John O'Malley was who who it was, I said, we're going to take care of him, a good offering, we'll feed him all week, but I said, I want to do something extra, I said, I want to have a pounding, and, uh, and I'll be honest with you, when I first got in church, my wife and I were married. My pastor, he said, we're going to have a pounding for Brother Stacey. Well, you got to understand, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And a pounding at my house was, mean, I was thinking, get my hind end whipped, amen. That, that was, that's what was fish and take. But you think get pounded? I'm like, oh, it's gonna hurt, amen. So I thought, I looked at my wife. I said, what's he gonna hit on me for? What? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I wasn't raised in this church environment. Amen. She said, Stacy, that, they're gonna bring food. I said, oh, that's wonderful. I can handle that, amen. And so anyhow, so they brought food, and so God taught me about that through our, through our church. And so I said, I want to have a pounding. And at that time, Brother O'Malley lived in a fifth wheel, had a truck in the fifth wheel, and that was their home. That's what they lived in, and I said, "Church, I said, start every week." I gave them a list of things to buy and bring. And in that two-month time, we brought—they brought our church—we brought so much stuff. I really began to get worried. I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness, what in the world? Uh, how, how's where's Brother O'Malley going to put all this stuff?" Amen. So, literally, when they got there, it was stacked up around our altar area. Some of it was stacked up as high as my head. And anyhow, uh, whenever we let we presented it to them, and, and then they were they were appreciative. But we they left, we packed it all up. He came back the next year for missions conference he said "Brother stacy he said he said you're not going to believe this he said what we did when we went home uh, to the mission office we took everything out of the trailer divided it all out and he said i I fixed care packages and he said so whenever i got a box he said it had a little bit of everything in it so when we get ready to leave we would go get two or three boxes out of the storage container and he said he said when i left coming here and it was a year later he said we still have three boxes left from what the church had done a year before. And he said, Brother Stacy, this is what he said that stuck in my heart. He said, every time I open a cabinet and pull a can of beans down, or we go get a roll of paper towels, or we get a new tube of toothpaste, or our toothbrush wears out, we go get another toothbrush. He said, well, I'm reminded of the sacrifice of Sturgis Baptist Church. And can I tell you something, when God dealt with that in my heart, and and God began to deal with my heart about hands across the nation, I thought, if I can do something to help a missionary, that in the hard time of winter, in the difficult times of ministry, they open a cabinet, they see something that's there, and they'll remember that somebody is aware of what I'm doing. And Amen. where I am, Amen. and so anyhow, and so that's how God's birthed it. That's how God's done it. And and we we covet your prayers. We cover your prayers. We have some support personally. Then we have some support that comes in as far as hands across the nation, and uh, and we everything we use we use to help somebody. Uh, our CDs, like I said, it all goes to hands across the nation. We don't use any of that for ourselves personally. I just got back from Utah. Took a load of supplies to a missionary church planner, uh, and we helped them. We helped. Uh, we actually we have four different missionary families, uh, but we took a load of supplies to fill 200 backpacks uh, for the Benox Shoshone Indian Reservation. A man by the name of Brother Joe Copley, Miss leela a veteran missionaries, 30 34 year church planning missionaries, and uh, they have a handout every every year. They do a, a, a school pa- handout backpack handout for their mission for for kids there on the reservation. They open the church. They do a clothes giveaway. They'll fill those backpacks. And uh, they'll feed them, they'll preach to them, they'll fill that backpack with supplies, John and Romans Bibles, tracks, gospel literature, just to get the Word of God to them. Amen. Somebody said, "Well, you know, we, I mean, giving them a backpack, really, really." And, and, and I could talk for it. We we do we've done homeless projects. We do help for the homeless. We'll fill these the little nylon string backpacks. We'll fill them with gloves and socks and beef jerky and and, and protein bars, the soft chewy protein bars, uh, hand sanitizer, toothbrush, toothpaste, stuff like that. Go out on the streets. And can I say this? There. Almost everywhere I go, people are close enough to a place that has a predominant homeless uh, population. And uh, anyhow, but a, a lot of it is just getting out of our comfort zone. And uh, and he said, "Well, preacher, does it really make?" Can I, can I be honest with you? When we've done those backpack projects, we do we do five hundred at a time. One year we did a thousand. We did a five hundred in Knoxville, a five hundred in Chattanooga. And can I tell you something? Uh, the fact is, is we had uh, I got to tell you this, and I'll be finished. We had a man. Whenever we were packing all the backpacks up, we packed them all up, put them in my trailer, and and we uh, drove down to the heart of of uh, Chattanooga at the soup kitchen and opened the back of the trailer and we. Just handed them out. People'd come by and, and, and we'd say, "Hey, uh, we've got this. We've got socks. They got gloves. I mean, hand warmers, all that kind of stuff." Oh yeah, yeah, I want one. Well, can I? Tell you? And man, they were thankful. I had a man came up and, and he, we we're getting ready to pull out of the church, and he had a box. He said, uh, "He said I've got this. It was a brand spanking new pair of Rockport. Uh, it was kind of like a hiking shoe, a shoe boot type thing, size 11." He said, "He said I saw these in my closet, and he said I hadn't worn them over." A year, and he said, he said somebody might could use them. Uh, can, will y'all, will you take that? I said, sure, I'll take that. So I stood in the back seat of the truck. So anyhow, we're we're plugging along, handing out backpacks. All of a sudden, this man comes by, and he's in a pair of Crocs. Uh, if you know what Crocs are, that's a rubber shoe with a lot of holes in it. And uh, and he had one sock on and it caught my attention. And and the first thing that popped in my mind was that box, that shoes. Can Can I just be real transparent? I thought, well, it may not even be his size. And really the Lord kind of fussed at me he said of course he said he said I put this together of course it was this size so anyhow I, I finally looked at him I said man let me ask you a question he said I said uh, do you do you not have any more shoes and he said no that's all I got he said he said I did have two socks he said uh, but but the other one wore out and he said and I fixed it and fixed it till I couldn't fix it anymore and I said your feet have got to be cold he said yeah yeah I said where do you live and he said well he said if I get to a shelter soon enough I get you know i get a bed but if I don't I'm just on the streets and I said uh, what size shoe do you wear he said well I wear a 10 and a half he said but an 11 feels better (laughs) I said well I said come with me and I opened the back door of my truck and, and I reached in I grabbed those and I opened them and he immediately started to cry can I say something? I was able to give him the gospel. I was able to preach to him, handed him a bag, and, uh, and he walked off saying, man, this is amazing. This is amazing. You say, preacher, what's what the significance of that? I mean, did it, does it really make a difference? Well, Jesus said this, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Amen. And so anyhow, so the way I look at it is, is I, I, I know all my seed ain't going to come up, but, but, but if one does, if one little kernel comes up, it's worth all the work and all the labor, I mean, all the sacrifice. I mean, Thank you for praying for us. Last time I was here, some of y'all bought CDs. That helped us to make our trip out west. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. We covet your prayers. Please pray for my wife. Uh, pray that God will help us to get through this, this wedding and, uh, and not kill people. And 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 do bodily harm to people, you know. I tried to get my soon-to-be son-in-law to go with me to Utah. I thought I can take care of this. <laughs> we'll go, and he'll never make it back. Amen. I
0: mean,
1: he wouldn't. He wouldn't bite the bullet. Amen. Uh, can I, I want to say this, and I'm finished, uh, church. I want to say hats off to y'all. I get to be in, mission. I've been in a lot of, I've preached missions conferences, I'm in, I get to be in some missions conferences, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to, uh, this is like the best one I've been in in a long time. <laughs> I mean, just the spirit of the people, uh, and the, the, I'm talking about people just walking around, but the Lord, you know what I'm talking about, just, "Lord, we were sitting there last night, and we were just talking fellowship, and somebody said, can I get you get you a cup of coffee? Can I get you a cup of water? Can I, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I tell you something? You'll never go wrong being kind. Amen. And some of our fundamentalists have lost that mentality. And so I want to say to this church, thank you. Pastor, thank you for your heart. You and Miss Tori are a blessing. Amen. You really are. And and I love Wyatt. Oh, where is Wyatt? Where is Wyatt? Wyatt, come here. Part of uh, part of this part of the ministry, part of the ministry is uh, is helping people who are forgotten. Brother Rose and these missionaries, they 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 help people and they go to people who are forgotten. Uh, I lo- this kid is like he's he's just. I mean, I'm, I'm, when I'm around him, I'm in granddaddy mode. You know, <laughs> they're sweating bullets, I'm laughing, having a good time. Amen. But anyhow. But anyhow, we were talking the other day, and why uh, uh, we were here the first day. Well, the next night, I didn't get seen before church, during church. We were over at the Fellowship Hall eating on Thursday night. And anyhow, he comes by me, and he looked up, and he said, you're, you're here. And I said, yeah. He said, good choice. Amen. Amen. I love this kid. Anyhow, but, but this, this is what I want to tell you. You know, sometimes in life we get busy, and we forget. We forget important things. We were together the other day, and uh, him and Joey they had this little toy, this little toy man, and uh, I think he, I think he had an a shield or something like that. And anyhow, uh, I said, "Who is that?" And uh, White looked at me, and he said, "He said, preacher, that's you." He said, uh, "He said you're a missionary." And he said, you're, "You're you're working for Jesus." And I said, "You're right." I said, "Thank you." So anyhow, and I thought, man, that that is so great. I mean, this this kid just you know he loves this little toy. Anyhow, they got up to leave, and I looked down on the floor, and I found me. And so anyhow, I've been taking care of me. Amen. <laughs> And I want to give me back to you. And I want to ask you, and I want ask all of you, these missionaries are going to leave. But they're going to need your prayers. Yeah. They're going to need you to hold them and love them and pray for them because everywhere they go, it's not going to be like this. And uh, I was listening to these, these guys testify and tell They've got fields they're going back to. Everybody's not excited they're there. right? But they can pillow their heads at night in peace and confidence if they're assured that there are churches back in the States that are holding the rope and holding them in prayer. Amen. Jesus told Peter this in view of his greatest trial. He said, Satan's desired to have you, and he could have done anything. But this is what he did. He said, I've prayed for thee. Jesus taught us in that very simple t- truth that the greatest thing that one man can do for another man is to pray for him. Amen. Church, pray on. Pray on. Pray on. When the money's not there, you can still pray. Amen. When, you're not, when you're not able to look them in the face and talk to them, you can still pray. Amen. Thank you for what you've done. Amen. Thank you. And for <laughs> God's sake, don't throw me in the floor next time. Amen. <laughs>
3: I appreciate what he's doing. And uh, I, I know many, many pastors who are involved in what he's doing. And there's people all over the country who can testify. That's a worthy, a worthy, worthy work that he's doing. Amen. Preacher, I'm going to turn uh, the service over to you uh, for whatever the
4: Lord's put on your heart. Amen. Love you, preacher. I changed my name, preacher. My name is Brazil Boss. <laughs> hey. Call me Brazil Boss. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we laughed at that because I go to Africa every year now, and uh, they call me <laughs> Don Don there. Uh, Don Quixote, <laughs> and uh so they call me Big D down there in Africa and uh, so now I'm the Brazil boss uh, but that's that was funny um, Thank you so much and by the way those um those gift cards to chick-fil-A. You don't have to buy chicken with that. (laughs) You can buy chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) (laughs) They are the best. Okay? (laughs) Uh, I just wanted to suggest that. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, I've always said this. I have one of the greatest mothers in the world. She she served the Lord with my dad for over sixty years in Brazil and uh, she took care of all the bills my dad didn't know how to write a check she took care of all the bills she took care of everything in the house when something broke she she would take it uh, have somebody fix it take the cars to get fixed and and Somebody asked her, why do you do all this? And this was her response. I do this so my husband can use all his time for the ministry. And my dad did that. And I appreciate my mom. And my dad wrote a poem for her, and if I had it, I I would read it. The Lady in the Shadow. And that's what a pastor's wife is. She's usually in the shadow. But behind every great man of God, there's a great lady. If she was a bad lady, you wouldn't have this man that you have today. And I praise the Lord for my dear wife. (laughs) If it wasn't for my wife, you wouldn't have me here preaching. Uh, but I praise the Lord for my wife. Yes, but I just <clears> the <throat> Lord impressed upon my heart. I know Miss Tory uh, has been a blessing. She works. and uh, I appreciate that, Miss Tory. And so the Lord impressed upon my heart to give you something that I know you've been wanting for a couple years because your husband told me so the Lord said when you go back to Greenville you get it and you bring it and you present it to Miss Tory. so Miss Tory, I want my wife to come we have a personal purple Schuyler Bible for you and I'm I'm so glad we can present that to you. Thank you so much for everything you do. You're such a blessing. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Praise
3: the Lord. You. Amen. Appreciate God's goodness in our family. Amen. And I do echo that. I. Every message I bring to this pulpit. And I'm not bragging, but I do spend many, many hours and study every week. And the only reason I can do that is because I don't have to worry about anything else. And I praise the Lord for His goodness. Amen. And uh, I know we're undeserving, but honey, I feel like you deserve that. Thank you for minding the Lord, preacher. All right, Amen. I am a wreck, and uh, but we ne- we need some preaching this morning. Grab your Bibles, get ready to hear from God. You come and mind the Lord. God bless you, preacher. Hey amen. Ain't it good to be saved?
5: To know who the Lord is and you know, what He's done for us. And my goodness, I can't uh, I can't begin to explain. All that God's done for us. Thank God for the church. Amen. I was I was expecting an amen right there. Thank amen. God for amen. the church. Amen. And without the church, what would we have today? I'm glad that God, idea of church is what we've been doing these past couple days. There's a lot of other things going on in the world today, but thank God for the church. Right. <clears throat> I want to take just a few moments this morning and uh, go to Genesis number six. Genesis chapter 6, I'll read one verse this morning. If y'all happen to see me duck down, I'm looking for that other Chick-fil-A gift card. So y'all just bear with me. I may act like I'm tripping, but when I get up, I'll be smiling. All right. I'm just teasing this morning. Genesis chapter number 6, verse number
6: 22.
5: One verse this morning. I'm hoping this morning, maybe the Lord will let me just uh, bunt the ball this morning, and then Brother Jonathan can come up here and get us a home run later. Genesis chapter number 6, verse number 22 said this, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Let's read that one more time. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, So did he." Let's pray. Our Father, we sure do thank you this morning. And God, I want to thank you this morning for an opportunity, God, to come one more time. And God, tell somebody about your word. And God, uh, God, preach, God, what you put in my heart. And I thank you so much this morning. God, thank you for the preaching of the word of God. Lord, I pray this morning, God, that you touch the remainder of this service. God, how it's already been so good this morning. There's nothing that I could add to what you've already done. But Lord, thank you for another opportunity. Pray that you bless these people. God, bless this church for what they've done and lord given to god missions given to preachers god given to you and lord we thank you for that this morning touch now help us in jesus name amen i want to take the very last line of that verse this morning and just for a few moments want to preach on the thought of so did We find that this story is talking about Noah, and this is not a new story to anyone. I don't think we find anybody in here this morning that has never heard of Noah, and we know what Noah did building the ark and the animals getting on there. It it is a great story for children, and uh, I've been in churches before. They have have Noah and the ark and the animals going on the ark, building the nursery and painting on the walls, and that's wonderful. I'm not against that, but it is not only a story for children. Uh, But we can find this morning that there is a great message uh, that we can serve God that we can do exactly what God has called us to do Uh, when God tells us to do something we can do uh, what he has commanded. I want to preach this morning on the thought of so did he and uh, we know that Noah around this time here, he's around 500 years old and uh, has three children and I begin to think of uh, if if the Lord allowed me to be 500 years old and have three children I'd probably lose my mind. I'm, I'm 35 with two and sometimes I lose my mind and I begin to think God how in the world am I, I don't know that I'm a good parent, I don't know that I'm a good daddy God how in the world do I do this and, and uh, God's given me two wonderful kids and uh, they are kids so some I'll say sometimes they are wonderful. Sometimes uh, they're full of this world. But that's when we pull out that belt and we we begin to pound them. Sometimes I believe it still works to pound them every once in a while. Uh, But here Noah's 500 years old, three kids. How in the world? God, am I going to do what you told me to do? Could you imagine all that was fixing to happen? And Noah, everybody's going to think that He's crazy. Everybody, look at here, the average Baptist preacher that's preaching the truth today, uh, the world thinks that they're crazy. Right. And I, I, told, I told people this before, the church that we come out of the very first time I ever walked in there 19 years ago. Uh, uh, there was no program at the back door. I, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. Uh, uh, every song was listed. The speaker was listed. The message was listed on the paper. I walked into that Independent Baptist church. There was no paper. I said, what in the world, you folks? There's something wrong with y'all. Nobody's told me what's, what's being preached this morning. I said, nobody told me what uh, or that Friday night. I said, nobody, nobody's told me what song. We, when I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, 12-year-old boy, uh, we'd, we'd take that, we'd take that uh, flyer. I'd rip little pages off of it, and I'd stick it in the page of the hymn book we was going to sing from, so I could be the first one to flip there, because I knew what song we was going to next. I knew who was giving the announcement. I, I knew everything that was going on. When I walked into the Independent Baptist Church, I said, these folks are crazy. I'll tell you this today, if it, being an independent Baptist preacher makes you crazy, call me crazy. Amen. I like what God's allowing me to do. Amen. I like what God's putting me in, in the, the places God's put me in, the people that I get to see. I'm thankful this morning that God has allowed me to preach Amen. his word. Amen. And not putting stipulations on like the Southern Baptists do or like the uh, other outfits do out there. But thank God that we can come this morning and we can just preach his word. And these folks thought that Noah had slap lost his mind. There may be somebody that walks in the doors one day at Beacon Baptist Church, and they look around. They say, this place is crazy, but it feels like home. Right. There's no telling what God may allow to walk through that door one day. Uh, we, we, we've been overseas for six years serving God, uh, but this, this place right here, this is a mission field just as well. Uh, for somebody out there to see God working inside of here, go out there and reach them, let them come in here. They're going to think you're crazy, but just keep on serving God. Right. Amen. Right. Here's old Noah, 500 years old, three children. And I want to mention two things this morning. Y'all be thankful for that. It could have been 10 like Brother Rose the other night. But I only got two this morning. Somebody should have shouted hallelujah on that one. Two things this morning. I want to say number one, that it was with obedience, not negligence. It says here, thus did Noah, according to all God commanded him, so did That very first part, thus did Noah. He did it with obedience. Can I say that I think this morning that victory comes from obedience? Uh, how in the world do we run a race and try to cheat? How in the world does a uh, does a man running a marathon uh or trying to pass the patana? Uh, there's no way that he can do it the right way if he's trying to cheat and if he's trying to get by with everything of this world. Uh, but if you'll just do right and you'll just run the race that God's given you, you'll be able to press on. You'll be able to go forward for God. I think there's victory in obedience. <laughs> We find negligence is a failure to take proper care in doing something. How many times have we neglected the things that God's given us? I got called to preach as a 17-year-old boy. And, and uh, man, I can remember that night when God began to move in that service. We was uh the choir. I didn't even want to be in that service that night. I, I I had to work, and I said, I tried to make every excuse that I could not to be there. And the choir was up singing Amazing Grace. I was on this side with all the men singing. And uh, God began, God and He'd already been dealing with me about preaching. And I knew that if I could stay away from the church, if I could just back off, from the, maybe even sit back in the back of the church, maybe God wouldn't deal with me as much. That night I was up singing and God, it was as if I was a ketchup bite on God, squeezed it right in the middle ketchup shot out, my hands went in the air, I surrendered my life standing right there on the platform, I gave my life to God, I said, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, God, I'll do it I'm not going to neglect the things that God's allowed me to do there's too many lost folks there's too many going the wrong way I don't want to neglect what God's given me to do Amen but I want to do it with obedience. Yes,
3: sir.
5: Obedience is just being compliant with an order. How many, how many soldiers do you think if they were to sign up for the army and disobeyed everything, they would still be a part of the army? But they've got orders that, that have been given to them. They must do those orders. They must follow those ways. They must do what they're told. That's what God gives us this morning. God gives us an order. I don't want to be negligent uh, negligence with it. I, I, I want to be able to serve God to my fullest ability. Yes, sir. I want to do it with obedience this morning. I don't want to neglect the things of God. Could you imagine, could you imagine Noah, they're 500 years old, going down to the lows and saying, I need another hammer because mine's broke. I need some more nails because mine's burning. Those folks are looking at him, going, "What are you talking about, rain? What are you talking about, a flood? What, what's going on in your mind? We've seen dew on the ground, and we uh, we've seen all these. But what are you talking about? There's a flood coming. Noah. what what is going on in your mind? And Noah's out trying to warn everybody. He's out trying to tell them, "Hey, uh, I got to build this boat. God told me to do it." Uh, I'm trying to tell you to come and get on the boat, save your life. And nobody wants to listen. And that's what we do today as Christians. We go out and we try to tell everybody that's lost, everybody that's undone. We try to tell them, come on in. But before Jesus comes back, the door is still open. Come on in. Find yourself sitting in the church. Find yourself at an altar getting help. Just serve God. Amen, Amen. Good preacher. I don't want to be one of those that I don't want to. I don't ever want to put myself out there. Brother, the preacher said it last night. Don't like self-promotion. If it was up to me, I I, I wouldn't want anybody even to know my name because I don't ever want this to be about me. Or, I don't ever want this to be uh, a ministry named after me. I don't ever want it to be a, a thing that says, oh, you got to have Tim Lord in. Uh, you got to have the Lord family in. Hey, I just want somebody to be able to look around and say, hey, they serve God. Uh, they, they, they live for God. I, I want God to be the biggest thing in my life. Amen. I don't want this about me or about my family. Amen. We've gone over there to Albania these years and told, told them about who Jesus is. I don't care if we walk away and nobody knows my name. But as long as they know who Jesus is, that's what matters. As long as they can, you know, we haven't seen everything that's going to happen over there. We had not we seen the outcome of all that's going to be uh, reaped over there. But I'm hoping that one day somebody may stand up and say, I remember. They may not remember my name, but they'll say, I remember a preacher coming and telling me about Jesus. And Maybe they'll remember who Jesus is. Amen. Thank God this morning that it doesn't have to be about us. It doesn't have to be about what we've done. It doesn't have to be about what we can say. I'll tell you this, my, uh, I was terrible in school. I was not good in the English language. Then God sends me over there trying to learn another. I said, God, what in the world are you doing? Lord, I can, I can barely speak English. Most of my English is redneck English. And how are folks going to understand me? Uh, how in the world am I going to go over there and explain to those Albanians what y'all is? been over there for these years. I'm going to tell you this. About a year ago in our church, some of the kids would walk up to us, and they'd say, how y'all doing this morning? i say, look, if I ain't taught them nothing, I've taught them some redneck.
1: Amen. Amen. That's
0: Amen.
5: Proverbs 28.20 says, a faithful man shall abound when blessing. And I want to be obedient. I want to be obedient to what God tells. I want to be, uh, be obedient to what God says sure. in our life. Places God may send us, places God may allow us to say, I just want to be obedient to Him. And you may be sitting here this morning saying, How in the world do I hear God? My little girl, ten years old. She had been dealing with salvation, been dealing with conviction. She had a lot of questions, and I tried my best to answer them. The best I, I asked her daddy, I wanted her to be saved at that very moment. But I didn't want to push her into anything, I didn't want to force anything on her. And I was trying my best to explain to her, and I said, honey, one day God will draw your heart. Well, my daughter takes everything literal. She thought, uh, when she finally got saved, she said, Daddy, confused me. I thought God was going to draw my heart as in on a piece of paper, take a piece of paper and draw her heart. And I said, oh, my goodness, how uh, how in the world, how confusing was that? And I, I began to think, uh, you know, even though she didn't understand what I was saying at the time, I'm glad that God uh, still began to convict her and that God still began to do things in her life. And you may not understand everything this morning that's going on. You may not understand what... You come to church on a Saturday morning. I didn't even know God could move on a Saturday morning, but I've seen him this morning. God doing such wonderful things. I just want to be obedient to him because this ain't about me. If we'd be honest, it ain't about you. It's about him. John tells us in chapter 15 that we can do nothing without him. I promise you this, if God wasn't helping me preach this morning and through the years that I've been able to preach, I wouldn't be able to do it at all. But thank God, nobody wants to be told that they're nothing. I've never, especially a young man, I remember when I was young, if somebody said, you can't do that, I'd say, watch this, I'll show you I can do it. Man, I had, I had so much pride in my heart. I had so much built up inside. I'd say, dare me I can't do something. And over the years, I've had to learn that, God, I can't. I can't do nothing. God, what's inside of me is what God's put there. This ain't, this ain't nothing about me. But Noah did this with obedience. Noah had a family that was saved because of his obedience. My little girl getting saved over there in Albania, not not even thinking about it. I said, if, I said if, if we've had other Albanians saved, but I said, if it had just been for my daughter, going 5,800 miles from home just to get saved. It was worth it. It's been worth it to go over there and see a little Albanian crawl down on the front pew and begin to cry out to God and get up and see teardrops. I'm telling you, it's been worth it. Just being obedient, you'll
3: find victory in being obedient to God.
5: Amen. I say this morning in obedience to just, uh, just keep going on times are going to get hard we this past year is one of the hardest years of our life my wife went through a miscarriage and i'm talking about it was the roughest thing we'd ever been through Uh, on the other side of the world trying to figure out god what are you doing a month later month and a half later loses her mama to covid church seems like it's falling apart And I'm sitting here saying, God, what? You sent us over here to serve you, God. We've seen you do great things in the past, but God, now it seems like just a year of trial after trial after trial. God, what are you trying to do? I think God was seeing if we'd just be obedient. I think God was just seeing if we were still going to serve him. And I'll tell you this, even through the hardest year of our life, I take that with God than the best year of my life without God. Yes,
4: sure.
3: I've
5: seen how God's moved and how God's worked, how God has sent people into our life, how God has sent things into our lives, sent songs into our life. sent preaching into our lives to help us more this past year than it's ever helped us before. And can I say that just cause hard times come, that does not mean neglect the things of God, but get in, begin to dig deeper, and just go on for God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Jesus never said it would be easy. If they were if they were out to kill him and persecute him, in those days, that's what that's what they're doing to us today. Nobody today wants to hear the name of Jesus. Nobody wants to live for God. And look at what's going on outside of these walls. If this community knew who Jesus was, y'all would have to build a church five times this size just to fit some of the people in here. That's right. But everybody wants to run to this world. They want to go to this world. They want to live for this world. They think that this world has what they need. I was about 15 years old, and my, my family had gotten out of church. My mama left first. My dad had passed away. She got mad. She walked away from church. My brother was 16 at the time, 17, and he was my only ride to church, so he would still take me sometimes, but not all the time and I can remember thinking in my mind like God had already saved me, God, had, God had, had already done some things in my life and now I didn't have a ride to church and I said well maybe church ain't what I need and here's what I did for, for about 12 months, 13 months as a, as a 15, 16 year old boy I tried what this world had to offer and I'm not here this morning bragging on what this world has to offer the things that I said, the things that I tried out there, I regret every one of them. That, that 13, uh, 12, 13 months of my life, I regret not being in church. Uh, I regret not serving God. I regret not giving my life to Him during that time. But what I'm trying to tell you is that God did everything, worked it out, uh, where I could meet my wife, get into an independent Baptist church, uh, and find out what the move of God is really like. Amen. Things don't always work out our, our way. How many of y'all have ever, how many of y'all have ever prayed? And before you even pray, you're expecting God to answer the way that you've already thought is going to answer it. Am I the only one? Bow down and you've already got in your mind how you're going to pray and what you're going to say. And you've already got the answer in your mind and God don't answer that way. I say just be obedient and keep on going. Amen. I've never met one person that likes the word no, but sometimes when God says no, it's the best no's that we've ever seen in our life. Things that I thought I wanted, or things that I thought that I needed, and then God say no, and I look back and I say, wow, if if God would have given me that... Where would I be at today? If God would have given me the thing I asked for back then, would I, would I have started worshiping that thing? Would I, would I have started giving my life towards that? I'm saying just be obedient to him this morning. Number two, we'll move on this morning. I want to say this morning that Noah did this with an, it was an obligation, not a negotiation. To Noah, this was an obligation It says here in this verse, according to all God commanded. I don't know about you, but Noah, being 500 years old, three children, and he did exactly what God told. I I know that Noah messed up later. I know that Noah had his problem, but I'm not one of those that focus on the negative. I, I don't like focusing on the bad things, but I'm looking at a man here that listened to God, obeyed God, and was able to save his family because he listened. Here is a man, 500 years old, out building an ark, constantly with that hammer beating in the nails, just so that somebody can get in.
4: Right. Amen.
5: I say this morning, it's an obligation. To serve, we should not make it a negotiation. Our very first trip to Albany was coming back and uh, we was with Brother Dean McNeese and he had us go through the city of Rome for two days. Now, I don't know about you, but when, I, when I've traveled that far and I get on the plane to come home, I was expecting to come on home. Then we spent two days in Rome, but uh, there were some great things to see over there, got to do some great things. But we walked on the streets, they'd have these, uh, uh, I guess you'd say vendors out there and they'd they'd be selling their merchandise. And one of the men that was on the trip with us, he was a real good negotiator. He'd walk by and he'd see a purse for his wife and he'd say, how much is that purse? They'd say, 50 euros. He'd say, oh, that purse ain't worth 50 euros, I'll give you 10 for it. They'd begin to negotiate back and forth and somehow or another this preacher always walked away with a nice cheap purse for his wife. Well, my pastor said, all right, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to get me a nice, cheap purse for my wife. And my pastor walks up to this vendor, and he's looking down, and this is what the other, the other preacher told him. He said, what you got to do is, when they're not doing what you want, and when they're not going by your price, you just kind of walk away, and they'll chase you down. My pastor said, oh, I, I can do this. He looks at that purse, and he says, how much for that purse? And the man gives him a prize, and he says, no, it ain't worth that. He says, uh, I'll give you this for it. And the man said, no, this purse is worth what I'm telling you. My pastor said, he begins to walk off and he's looking back. He's expecting that man to chase him down. He's expecting that man to tap him on the shoulder and say, all right, sir, come on. I'll I'll give it to you for this price. My pastor walks off and he's all by himself. That man, he did not chase him down. He was not worried about negotiating with him. And there's some folk out there that want to negotiate with God and serving him is not a negotiation.
3: Right, right.
5: We pray sometimes, God, if you'll do this, I'll serve you. God, if you'll, if you'll give me this, I'll serve you. God, if you'll bless me like this, I'll serve you. God, if you'll bless me like that, then I'll serve you. But can I say serving God is not a negotiation? We ought to do what Noah did. and People thought he was out of his mind. People thought he was crazy. But he just simply listened to God. And you sit here this morning, you say, how do I listen to God? How am I supposed to hear what God has to say to me? Well, I think we've got to take some of the things out of our life that we don't need. That's right. I think there's so many, this world is coming out with something new every day to distract us right. so that it'll take us away from the one that really means everything. Amen.
1: Well said,
5: how easy is it for us to get distracted? What did the preacher say a while ago? got that got that one and that's exactly what the the world will put something in front of our face and they'll make it look so good they'll make it look so nice and we gotta reach up and grab it And next thing you know we're drawn in by that thing yes, sir. next thing you know we're all we, we can't get off of social media we can't get off the YouTube we can't get off the TV uh, because something else has our attention
1: that's good preacher you're telling me I say
5: this morning thus did Noah According to all God commanded him, so did he. What are you going to do this morning? God may be speaking to some of you here this morning. There may be a young man in here that God's dealing with you about preaching. Are you going to obey him? Or are you going to try to negotiate with him? Can I say this? Negotiating with God don't work. You'll bow down and say, God, give me this and I'll serve you. And you'll walk away without without what you just asked for. Because God's not in the business of negotiating. If God was going to negotiate, he would not be God. If God was going to be a God that just gave you everything and made you a small brat, he would not be God. But we serve a God this morning that knows what we need, knows when we need it, and knows how to give it to us. Thank God he knows exactly. Noah here, living by faith and doing what God told him to do. They was, uh, heard the story. There was a, a little widow woman, older lady, lived in a house all by herself. No, no children lived with her and said that she would, on purpose, open up her windows and she'd pray out loud. She said that her neighbors were not very kind people, very mean people. And so she wanted them somehow to hear the gospel. And she'd pray with the windows open. Said one day she didn't have any food. Said she bowed down in the living room, had the windows open, and began to pray, God, I need food. God, I love you. I'm trying to serve you, but Lord, I'm hungry. Can you bring me some food? Said the man that lived next door to her was an atheist man. And said the man, said, I'm going to show her that God has not supplied her need. This atheist man went out to the store and got her some groceries, got her several bags and put it at her front door and knocked on her door. And she began to, she walked to the door and opened it up. And here's the man standing on the sidewalk. Here's bags full of groceries. And the woman said, oh, thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you for providing one more time. Amen. So that old atheist man standing on the sidewalk said, ma'am, what are you talking about? God didn't give you those groceries. I bought you those groceries. Right. She lifted her hands again. She said, God, thank you for using Satan to buy my groceries today. Yeah. Amen. And it was all because she had faith. Hey, I don't know uh, who God's going to use. I don't know how God's going to use them. Uh, but if you'll just serve God, God will do things. Just live by faith. Yes,
1: sir.
3: Amen. Serve him. Amen. Right, preacher.
5: Reminds me of the one of my one of my favorite hymns. J.L. Heath wrote Living by Faith. Said that he uh I think he had seven children or so and lived paycheck to paycheck, struggling, a lot, lot like maybe we do today, paycheck to paycheck, and said that he was sitting down one day and ran across the verse uh Matthew twenty six, or excuse me, Matthew six twenty-four. Take therefore no thought for the mar. For the mar shall take thought of the things of itself. Said he began to sit down and he began to write the words. I care not today what the morrow may bring. If shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth over everything, and all of my worry is vain. This is what he said, living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. Are in arms i'm living by faith and i feel no alarm and you may be sitting here this morning you're thinking what do i do sure i say trust him this morning Amen. I've never met one person that has served God and had regrets for serving Him. Sure. I've never met one person that got saved, given their life to Him, and said, I regret getting saved, I regret giving my life to God. Amen. There may have been some that have walked away from Him, but they, they, they may have taken their own feet and walked away from God, but God has never walked away from them.
0: Amen.
5: I say, serving this morning, live for Him. Give your heart to God. Preacher, keep on
3: preaching. Amen.
5: Singers keep on singing. Yes,
3: sir.
5: Ain't nobody else going to do the job that God has for you. God's given you a responsibility. Wherever God takes you, whatever God does with you, whatever country God may send you to, whatever, whatever field God may put in your life, do the best at it and give it all to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much this morning. God, thank you for this opportunity. God, once again. Lord, I pray this morning that somebody has gotten some help. God, would you, uh, would you take these words, God, and use them for your glory. We ask it in Jesus'
3: name. Amen. Amen. Stand for the reading of the word of God. Brother Jonathan, you come and give us what the Lord has put on your heart. Good to be with God's people,
6: and I hope you're enjoying yourself this morning. Amen. Um, If not, well, then you're just going to have to put up with me for a few minutes. I want to say before we get started this morning, we're going to be preaching out of the book of Genesis. And uh, thank, Brother Tim Lord, for his message this morning. Hey, if that's bunning, I sure wouldn't want to be around when he was swinging. <laughs> hey, Might get my head taken off. Hey, so uh, we do appreciate that message this morning. So he did, or so did he. Amen. Yes, sir. And uh, you wanna you wanna serve God? You just gotta do it. There's so many people that's got so many remedies, that's got so many gimmicks, and they're saying, well, if you're gonna grow your church, you gotta do this, 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 and this. And they forget that the only thing you really gotta do is just go hand in hand with Jesus, and He'll He'll take care of everything else. Sure. There's a There's a certain point where we cross the threshold of being rookies, of being first timers, sure. and we listen to all that noise, to all that background. Motion sure. of what we're supposed to be doing and one day we realize that the, the only thing we were supposed to be doing is just going hand in hand with Jesus like my preacher amen. saying this morning amen. amen want to thank the church before I get going and uh, folks, I am a fast preacher. I'm a fast preacher because I'm still a little overweight, and I'll get excited. I'll start preaching really hard. I'll get winded, then I'll start hyperventilating, and then I'll sit down and shut up because I can't breathe no more. And so, if y'all want me to preach real quick, just start amening me. Yeah, brother, that's right. Somebody wave a hand at me. I just go quicker and quicker. My Spanish will kick in, and I might even start speaking in tongues a little bit. But, uh, but folks, I just wanna I want to thank the church sincerely the accommodations were amazing uh i have uh basically every day going through a pack of jerky or two or, or three i gotta be honest of the, of the packs that y'all put in our room i'd get done with one flavor barely get my teeth brushed and i'd see that there was another flavor in the basket and i'd say well i'm gonna go ahead and get that one too but uh folks we just we wanna we wanna thank the church uh for all y'all have done not just for us but for all the missionaries here and thank you for what you've done for our kids it means the world it means the world to me that my daughters have fallen in love with the lord's daughters and uh, and also the lord's daughters as well but uh with brother tim uh, uh lord families uh girls and um For all the sacrifice we give and for all the things that we do, God pays back in abundance, even with our families. And we can truly say we have friends around the world. Amen. Amen. Book of Genesis chapter 12, folks, and I promise you I won't be long. Is that clock on the back, right, preacher? Does it work? Yes, sir. Okay. I was going to need to go get something to tell time with, because I will get lost in Scripture if I'm not careful. And uh, I know that uh, even if I get lost in Scripture, my stomach won't let me stray too far, because it's from Reminding me the ire that it is Amen. so y'all don't worry about it folks i know everybody's like you know is this got long-winded or not well this long-winded preacher's hungry so we're gonna go quick this morning book of genesis chapter 12 and if you take uh, from verse one, you're gonna find uh, Abram's calling out of his father's house out of Ur of the Chaldees, and uh, and I don't wanna I don't wanna read the whole passage. Uh, it's it's lengthy, but I want to go down to verse seven. Bible says that he leaves Ur of the Chaldees. He's heading to Canaan. And uh, he's heading to a land that he has no clue of he's never seen it before yes, he's going to a place that the Lord has called him to and, and it, it talks about his trip uh, but then down in verse 7 it talks about the appearance of the Lord with him and that Lord right there is spelled capital L-O-R-D every one, every letter capitalized it means the Lord Jehovah appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed will I give this land and there be that he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him folks y'all gotta y'all gotta notice this and this is the whole basis of the message he builded an altar unto the Lord that had appeared unto him now notice it didn't just stop there it says and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent having Bethel on the west and AI on the east and there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord and Abraham journey going on still towards the south. Now I just want to take a moment and notice And jump down to chapter uh, 13 and verse 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt. you got to know that in those following verses, 10 through 20, uh, there's a great mistake in Abram's life. But it says that as soon as he recognized his error, as soon as God brought, as soon as God thrust him out of Egypt, it says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very very rich in cattle and silver and in gold, and he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. He had went and he had messed up, and he was trying to get back to a place that he had been. Notice in verse 4, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord and I want to notice lot right before we pray and lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents but notice with me folks lot had no altar amen y'all may be seated this morning wanna say a prayer before we get going that the Lord will that the Lord will guide every word that we speak this morning and that everything will be for edification of the saints and nothing will be a stumbling block (laughs) dear Heavenly Father we come before you this morning Lord knowing God That I'm unworthy of being in this place. I'm unworthy of preaching your word, God. Lord, we need your help this morning. So many thoughts are going through my head. So many things that we could say. So many things that we could do. But Lord, you know exactly what we need this morning. And Lord, I only want to say what you want to say, God. And then I want to sit down and shut up. Lord, don't don't let me show forth this morning, but let your word and let your spirit show forth above everything. And that we, we may leave this place knowing that we've met with you and that you've met with us, God. Lord, that we may leave this place hand in hand with you, as preacher sang earlier, Lord. Lord, help us, Lord, as we share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible says here... About these two men. It's, it's, uh, and, and I'm taking a moment, I'm taking the message of this morning and comparing Abraham and Lot's life. Now, if you take Abraham and Lot, uh, even though they were related, even though they were family, even though Abraham had adopted Lot as a son, and I want to I say something, and it's just in passing, but I want to say something about Abraham and Lot, something that I noticed through the study of Scripture. The Lord appears unto Abram, and he tells Abram, Get thee out from thy kindred. And Abram, even though, and and folks, I've heard people bash Abram for taking Lot with him, but I want to take a little bit different perspective on it. But even though Abram was told, he was told to get out from amongst his kindred, he was never told to take Lot with him. Abram fought for Lot from the beginning. Abram was told to get out of there, leave your kindred behind, leave your country behind, go do what I'm about to call you to do. And Abram says, yes, I'm going to leave. But I'm taking Lot with me I'm taking the, the son of my brother with me That at this point had already passed Now folks, a lot of people would say That Abram had a lack of faith That Abram disobeyed God there's all, these, there's all these negatives That we always try to find With the men of God in scripture But I don't find that at all I find a burdened heart For a man that knew That God was about to save him Save his family And he wanted Lot in On that salvation And folks, if you study scripture to its core, you will find in, uh, I believe it's 2 Peter, I've got it written down, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, the Bible tells us that Lot was a righteous man, the Bible tells us that Lot was a saved man, and the only reason, the only connection that Lot had to God was his uncle, Lot didn't have his own altars, Lot didn't have his own place to pray, Lot didn't have his own place to seek God's face, and we will never... Ever find in Scripture where the Lord was appearing and telling Lot what to do because he had no connecting point with the Lord. Abraham on the quite the other uh, the other extreme everywhere he went we find Abram building altars unto the Lord everywhere he journeyed the Lord would appear unto him and he would build him an altar a place that he could come back to every time Abram messes up in his ministry in his life every time he makes a mistake every time he falls into sin. The Bible shows him when he falls into sin there in Egypt, when he falls into sin with Agar, when he falls into sin and offers his wife up to the Philistines, every time he has a major mistake, he comes back to the altar of God. But Lot, there in verse 5, it is so interesting. Lot had the same flocks that Abram had. He had the same blessings Abram had. He had the same knowledge of the Savior that Abram had. But he had no altars in his life. Folks, a lot of times we talk take Lot and we try to depict him as a lost man, but Lot as a saved man is what the Bible in its context says that he was, and as a saved man, the only reason that he had carnal living is because he had no altars in his life. And if you'll give me a minute this morning and just, just give me a little bit of your time, I want to preach on evidences of the altars, amen? Evidences of the altars. You will have, if you have an altar in your life, if you have a private Place to pray with the Lord. If you have a long time with God, you will have some evidences on your life. We notice in chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, chapter 13, 3 and 4, that Abram had altars everywhere he went. And we notice in chapter 13 and verse 5 that Lot did not. We notice, as I've already said, that every time Abram strayed, he always had a place to come back to. And we notice that Lot did not. We notice that the Bible says in the New Testament that Abram because he believed God counted it to him for righteousness and we see that Lot, even though he was righteous, vexed his righteous soul with the filthy communications of the world around him. He had no care for God because he had no conversation with God. He had no care for God because he had no time for God. What you put your time and effort into, you will care about. What you put your your money into, you will tend to love and to cherish and to keep better than if somebody gives you something. And Lot had no care for the things of God because he had never cared to build things for God. We notice these two men and their absolute opposites in their lives. And folks, I I bring it to our modern day and age. And we notice in today's age that there is people, there is men of God that are great And then there's men of God that allow the filthy communications of this world and allow the filthy things of this generation to infiltrate their lives, to infiltrate their families, to infiltrate their workplace, to infiltrate their minds. And the reason why it's going on is because they have no altar built before the Lord. They have no place to go back and find him. You see, here's the problem. We'll come to church and we know there's an altar at church. And brother, I just got to say, and I, I'm not going to be careful about this because I know you're preacher and I'm not going to be careful about this because I know it's the truth of the modern age and I thank God for a daddy that didn't build podiums. He built altars. He built altars to preach off of. He built a place where he could stand above the people so that they could see that it was never so high up that the people couldn't get to where God was. He built altars where the people could come and pray. And folks, it's important to have a church altar. It's important to have a place where you can come down and pray. But the problem is we only have altars at church and then we got to wait till Sunday and we got to wait till Wednesday and we got to wait till the church house is open before we can come down and get right with the Savior. And what you need is you need some altars in your home. See, every time he moved his home he built a new altar. He didn't take the old altar with him. He built a new altar. He left that altar there in case he ever needed it there because he knew that sooner or later his journeys would take him back to those places. He knew that sooner or later he is going to mess up in some other area and need another place where he could approach the Lord. Folks, it's about time that we start seeing that just just like in Abram's day, just like in Lot's day, just like in the Apostles' day, we need altars in our present day. There's so many people that talk about all the problems that are in America. There's so many people talking about the problems that are around the world. Pedophilia is rampant. There's, there is so much garbage on our television sets nowadays. There is so much garbage on your cell phone. There's so much garbage in the world around you. And, and, and people always begin to point, oh, it's this. This is, this is what's going on in our nation. This is what's going on in our world. Oh, it's the politicians. Oh, it's because the churches don't sow in anymore. Oh, it's because the churches don't give to Missions. But let me say something to you folks, and I am a big missions giver. I give to missions I receive from other missionaries right Brother Tim? I have missionaries that support me I have support from all over the world, and I am glad that people support missions But the fact of supporting missions the fact of what our politicians do the fact of if we so win or not Comes back to the evidence of the altar in your life You see you'll never have the power of God to win somebody to the Lord if you have no altar in your life life. You'll never have the blessing of God to give to missionaries if you're not praying for those missionaries. So many times I encourage folks and folks, we need money. We we need money a, a, as part of the present time in which we live. In another generation, it might be bananas that we need. It might mean shells that we need. You might need to ship us a cow so that we can trade it off. But in this day and age, we need money. That's what missions is about. But folks, all the money that you can give Don't let it soothe your conscience beyond the reality that we need your prayers far beyond what we need your money. You see, God can produce fish out of the ocean and land it in my backyard. God can take a cow and bring it to my front doorstep. God can use a neighbor to feed my family. God can use the people around me to sustain me, but we need prayer for that to happen. And the problem in today's modern age is that we have no wall. In our churches and that is why everything else is falling apart. There's no revival because there's no grieving. There's no revival because there's no prayer time. There's no revival because nobody is willing to pray the night through like people used to. Folks, I come from a generation. I I come from from my, my, my dad's generation, my granddad's generation. I could hear them praying through the walls all through the night laid out on their faces and I know what the scene was was in their room because I could hear the blubbering. I could hear the crying. I could hear the drool being sucked back up into their mouth. And you say, preacher, that's disgusting. Hey, guess what? God doesn't see it that way. He sees a broken, humiliated, humbled heart. And he says, I can use this to move. I can do something with this person because they're not worried about what they look like. They're worried about the altars that are in their life. You look at these two men and you find the evidence of the altars and you look at your own life and you'll find if there's enough evidence there or not of your altars first of all i want to notice this morning abraham and we're and we're doing a comparison here abraham's greatness lots greed that's an evidence where stacy is not to build you up but you're all over youtube i've listened to you preach before listen to you sing i love it but i know why you're great see a lot of people don't know that secret but i know why you're great it's an evidence of the altars that are in your life preacher you're young but you're great you see i've studied a lot about you since i met you a few months ago and people all over the place talk about you great sit there and watch you every night i know the secret of your greatness you know there's people that want to imitate there's people there, there's people <laughs> they look great they talk about the thousands that they have in their means, sure. but I, I hope, I hope I'm not going to hurt anybody by saying this, but they'll go and they'll rent out yes, different places across America and they'll fill it up. Sure. But you know, all I see in them is greed. Yeah. The only thing they're worried about is the numbers. Sure. They're not worried about one more soul. They want to make sure they got a packed crowd. And they want to make sure that the camera's on. They want to make sure the camera's rolling. They never make a great statement one-on-one. They always make it when everybody's watching. Oh, people quote them. People think they're a great thing. You see, Lot, he was big. He had the same cattle. He had the same tent. It was so big that he was actually being able to contend with his uncle. He was actually being able to fight with him. But when it came down to it, Abraham's greatness was this humility sure you see you go on down through those verses and the Bible says that Abraham said hey If you go to the right, I'll go to the left If you go to the north, I'll go to the south it, 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 whatever you want Lot. Sure. I just don't want to fight you right? Amen Preacher, I don't I don't know your church and I don't pretend to Is this the is this the preacher Caldwell? Yes, sir. okay? I kind of got that feeling the way you were cheering me on brother. I don't know hey, the man. church That any preacher here any missionary here for lord old lot and and brother dean was the one that told me this after i preached this message he said the interesting thing about lot is that over in 14 abram fought for him but abram won't fight against him yeah you know how i know that there's evidences in the in the life of great men they won't fight those people that are cursing them spitting on them talking bad about them in the community they just go tell it to the Lord Amen. they just go tell it to but you see lot over there huh you know what I'm taking over there you go wherever you want I'm gonna get the best section of land and that's where I'm going sure if you're a young preacher here today I encourage you go out and do some street preaching door knocking go out and stand on the park bench for a while and stop trying to take your preachers job and stop trying to criticize what your preachers doing in every service And respect the fact that he's already gone to the nursing homes. He's already gone to the streets. He's already gone to the prisons. He's already gone to those places that you're still not willing to go. You see, that's why Abram had. He had evidences of the altar. He was okay with the desert because he knew the altar that he was going to pray on. And the God that was behind that altar, he knew that his greatness only came from God. And Lot had no clue because he had never been on the altar. Oh, he was righteous. But the only blessings that he had came from Abram. And when the time came, we're going to divvy this up. I'm going to the well-watered plains of Jordan. Sure. I don't care that there's sodomites over there. That's okay with me because I'm greedy of gain. Sure. The Bible says, if I remember right, the order, and I write stuff down for that very reason. It says he looked, he liked, he left, he lifted his tent. And then the last portion says he was sent at the gate of Sodom. When, they were, when, when the angels came. Sure. The very last mention of what Lot did in Sodom was when the angels were there with him and the Sodomites said, he's become a judge over us. He went from walking with the friend of God to judging a bunch of homosexuals. I hope I don't get the church in trouble, brother. Just send the lawsuits to me. I'll head right back down into Panama. <laughs> Was judging a bunch of sodomites. And they said, He's become judge over us. How did it start? It started with his pride. It started with his sight. You see, Abraham's greatness was his humility, was his faith. He became the father of the faith. He became the father spiritually of all of us. Who did Lot become the father of? His pride and his arrogancy. You ever think about that? He's the only sodomite that was left? Everybody else died. Who's the father of this big movement? I believe it's Lot. Pride. Arrogancy. What? Aren't we in Pride Month or was that two months ago? I don't keep up with it anymore. <laughs> Better not. Anyways, it's, it's back in June, hey, it's Pride Month. Woo. Well, who had who, What was Lot? He was walking by sight instead of by faith. He was walking in pride. But the end result of Lot Was that he didn't even care if his son-in-laws were sodomites. He didn't even care if every man from oldest to youngest had part with his daughters. And I say that very carefully. He offered them up instead of offering the angels. I want to tell you, that was pride. He had two well-dressed men in his home, and he said, I'm not going to make myself look bad. I'll give my kids away before I make myself look bad. You say, oh my goodness, how could he come to that? He had no altar in his house. He had no altar in his family. And when he went to tell his other son-in-laws, they laughed at him. Because they didn't believe what he was. What he had become. They thought he was drunkard. You look at it with me. And we see Abram's greatness and Lot's greed. Chapter 13. Chapter 14. Chapter 15. In Abram's life. Seventeen and eighteen, in every one of those chapters, we see in some way God's visitation. Sure. But with Lot, all we see is a great void.
3: Right.
6: We never see God visit Lot. The angels visited Lot. God wouldn't even dignify his house with his presence. He sent the angels to rescue him. Notice, God, cha- God changes Abram's name to Abraham. And Sarai, he changes to Sarah. And Abraham in chapter 18 becomes God's friend. While Lot in chapter 19 does the disastrous thing that he does with his family. And if you don't know it, go read it. Because as Paul said, it's a shame to even mention. Sure. And you look at the two of them. And all you see in, in Abraham's life throughout all the passages it's God's visitation. God's visitation. God's visitation. He died in a ripe old age. Right. Full of God. Why? Because he had altars. Sure. You come to church and you accuse your church of God not visiting them. I wonder if it's your altar that's being unkept. You hearing me? Oh man, that's easy. It's easy to talk about how God's not visiting our church. But has God visited you at home?
3: Amen.
6: You see, I have great time at church because I had a great time in my car.
3: Because right. I had a great time
6: at the hotel room. Because I had a great time at my house talking to the same God that I'm coming to worship. Sure. I didn't come look for an altar at church. I already had my altar in my home. Amen. I already had my altar at my bedside. I already had my altar in my secret place. Right. Oh, Lot, he didn't understand that. And what it wanted him was a great void, even his own family. Couldn't stand to be around him didn't believe him when he came his wife was turned to a pillar of salt Because she had never been prone to follow this man that had only been walking by sight. I Wonder how much we've given up Because we don't have altars, right. I wonder how much greatness the American church has given up and the American preacher has given up for a great void because we have no altars I wonder how many missionaries have traded off their altars for podiums and rent back letters of the thousands saved and their churches are still empty sure that happens here in America too yes, sure. it happens all around the world sure oh they may even have thousands and you've heard the prayer that each one of them have said and it will amaze you that there is no conviction in those thousands and thousands of people No one of them has an altar there's a greatness and a God's visitation compared to lots greed and a great void I want to notice there was a gathering in chapter 14 for Abram but for lot and folks we could read through all this but I encourage you to read it when you get home for lot there was just grief
3: sure
6: you see Abram Brother Josh, you said you were 29, didn't you?
3: Yes
6: sir. Man, that's amazing, brother. That's amazing. I'm 33. It amazes me that men that are older than me follow me. Yes sir. That amazes me. Yes
3: sir.
6: But the only reason they do is because I have altars. Sure. Brother, I can tell you. The only reason you're being followed is because of your altar. Your greatness is in the altar. It doesn't matter who you are here. That's the evidence. Of what you're doing at home you don't have to be old to have an altar you remember Josiah 8 years old when he began to reign and he reigned like like David he didn't reign like those other kings he was down on the altar of God Amen. you look at him he went and sent for scriptures to be read before him he wanted to know he got the sodomites out of Israel why was he great why was there something on that young man? It's because he had the altar fixed. He had the altar right, and was able to do great things for God. I want to notice that in Abraham, his gathering there in chapter fourteen, the Bible says that five kings came against the kings of Sodom. They affiliated themselves, and the five kings came. And it's interesting. I'm not trying to make light of it or, or, or laugh at it, but. I mean an army of sodomites it's like yeah these are gonna be real tough men (laughs) i'm sorry but they're a bunch of sissies (laughs) and lot i'll tell you what if i know i'm amongst an army of sodomites i'm gonna be running out the other end going i better get out of here this is fixing to get violent it's fixing to get nasty there is fixing to get a massive destruction i've got to get out of here before our army loses you study rome you study babylon you study greece there were sodomites in those armies before they fell. But what happened with Abram? He went out with 300 men right. of his own house. Right. Brother, you got men that are following you because of your altar. He went out with 300 of his own house that said, we're willing to die for you, preacher. We're willing to come to your church, but we're willing to die for you. Amen. Now, that's another level. <laughs> that's another level. When, we, when, when, I've, when I've had to do some things that I've had to do, Oh, it's easy for me. I don't know why, but it's easy for me. But to turn around and have four or five guys behind me going, Preacher, I'm going, Guys, we may not come home from this one. It's all right, Preacher. We're good with that. You know what Abram had to be feeling that day? 300 men trained up in his own house. Abram went out there and gathered it up. Can you imagine Lot coming home that day? interesting fact he still didn't learn he still didn't get to an altar sure. hmm nothing but grief yes sir. nothing but grief last thing i want to notice folks if it don't convict you it convicts me every time
3: amen
6: i don't tend to my altar enough sure i need more
3: amen
6: oh every time we go after somebody we'll get on an altar Every time I want God to do something big, man, we'll even fast and pray. But then we'll go down into Egypt. Then we'll go down in the land of the Philistines and give up our children for the stupid stuff of this world. Folks, I'm not trying to be mean. You've got to understand me. I've seen stuff that that you couldn't even begin to imagine. And I look back at home and I see the generation that's following me. And I see parents letting stuff slip because our parents were too strict. You better look and study at why they were so strict before you give something up. Sure. There's some things worth giving up in this world. Amen. There's some things that are worth your children never knowing. Sure. And that's the last thing I want to notice. We notice Abram's generations and we notice Lot's guilt. Folks, I'm going going to end right there and just elaborate on this point a little bit. Abram's always on the altar to such an extent that God gives him a son in his ripe old age. God says, give your son back to me. And Abram marches his son up, makes him carry the wood, is willing to divide him like a lamb on the altar and consume his body. Believing in the resurrection of God. If you study out Scripture, you know yes, that sir. Abraham believed in the resurrection.
3: Yes, sir.
6: He took him up the mountain and he laid him on the altar. Folks, I want to thank God that that altar means so much sure in my life. You see, that altar's where I heard my granddad praying. Amen. That altar's where I heard my daddy praying. That altar's where when I was running from the Lord, I could come in, try to sneak in at night to my house. And hear my daddy calling out my name. Lord, bring him back. I know he's saved, Lord, because he's miserable, but bring him back. That altar is where I was dedicated. That altar is where I was saved. That altar is where I was called to preach the altar of God. That altar is where I dedicated my children. That altar is where I saw my daughter saved. That altar is the only thing and the only reason that I have not only physical generations following me sure those three children that are back there the three young ones the three youngest ones are a miracle of God after we lost our son Brian and the only thing I'll mention of its uterine rupture in the scar tissue the doctor told us it's gonna be now on to impossible for you to have more children but God on an altar all those things were accomplished the churches that have been built every one of them before going into them, we fasted and prayed.
3: Amen.
6: Fasted through days and prayed on an old-fashioned altar that God would do something. I go out into those reservations and folks i love it because it makes people look at me weird and i really don't care what in fact if people look at me weird i, I start limping a little bit dragging the whole leg they will look at me weird anyways i might as well give them a reason to and i start gibbering i go out there and i build altars we'll go into a new place and we'll go down into the riverbed gather up stones we've been on we've been on hillsides where there was volcanic rock and big old volcanic rock between me and brother Joe, we pick them up and set them one on another people walk by that and they look at it
3: sure
6: they don't understand it folks i want to finish with this we went down there in june or we we went out to the reservation in june brother adam langston brother danny Markell. some of you may know him yes sir. brother john michael henderson yes sir Went with us out to the reservation, broke down. Going down those mounts, the clutch went out. We had to hitchhike in. We break out the fat one, well, fat thumb that is. Break out the fat one, stop the car. Hey, nobody is stopping for us. Four Americans, a Latino, and two Indians. Sounds like the beginning of a bad joke, but it was the actual story that day. <laughs> We're walking down through there, nobody's wanting to stop and this truck came by and I went like that, rubbed my fingers together. And that truck said yeah I'll take some money and so we threw the luggage in the back of the truck loaded up jumped in the back drove down through there ran into our first crowd our first ministry that we started out there I'd say there was about 28 30 people we said guys we don't we have no way to make it out there make it back get these guys to the airport I said we're gonna have to find a place close they said let's just go down to that bridge that new bridge that they built and we went and got under that bridge Another group, about 14, 15, came from another place, mostly kids, mostly young people. Folks, you gotta understand this. You heard my testimony last night. There's a lot of stuff I won't say, but this I will say. The mamas to those kids were there. The mamas that used to sell them out. The mamas of many of them are now saved. We got up under that bridge and the river's down below us. And the first morning we were there, I said, everybody that will, go get a rock out of the river. And bring it up under the bridge and let's build an altar we built an altar about yay tall I don't know probably about from here to here wide, a little bit wider than the table and every service every preaching those guys out there I think they preached nine times and then brother Elmer preached once and I preached once and every time we preached just about everybody that was there would come around the altar and brother it was amazing they wouldn't go down and real gentle like we do kneel down beside the altar and lean on it those kids would be laid out on the altar and they'd be hugging those rocks and they'd be saying lord help me reach my friend that's back up in the village lord bring preacher danny back bring preacher adam back help him preach to my family because i know if they preach to them they'll believe they'd hold on to those rocks and cry about their school and cry about their problems and thank God for how much he cared for them. And as I sat there that day, I'd already preached this one time at resurrection. And I got to looking at that altar. And I got to remembering old Joshua when he crossed over. Yeah. And I can just imagine there's that little candelario out there. There's little evangelista running around. All these little kids that we made a difference in their lives. Amen. Now I can see 12, 15 years from now. Yep. they walking by that river. There's still a few rocks laying together. In fact, I can almost imagine that every now and then one of them's going to go by there and put a rock up that somebody's taken off. And preacher, I can just see it years from now. Brother, you know this because you've already been there. They're going to walk by there with their kids, that little bitty boy that got saved that day, that little bitty girl that got saved that day. Their kids are gonna go, what's this? Generations later, generations later, they're gonna go, that's the place where the Lord met with us. That's the place where I got my start. This is the reason Hallelujah. that me and your mama ain't selling you. It's because the Lord did something different in our generation. The Lord sent somebody and he built an altar for us to pray. Yes. Sir. I'll just say this about Lot. Never look his daughters in the eye. He's the only reason that we have Sodomites today. That's the only thing I can find. He's the lone survivor of Sodom. Sora survived, but Sodom and Gomorrah were absolutely demolished. Moabites and Ammonites, greatest enemy of Israel, greatest enemy of the children of God. And I've just got to say this because it's true greatest enemy of our movement. Of our time is people that left our churches knowing the truth because they never got an altar. Preacher. There are walls made by man,
2: built by friends. Pray, I'll do my best to build a wall of prayer.
0: Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.